0: You know, Jesus says to everybody, you do what I tell you, and then after you, after you leave this world, you know, you'll go to heaven. Right. And Allah says to Muhammad, you know, you live the way that I want you to live, and after you leave this world, you go to heaven. And God says to Abraham, go take that piece of real estate, and it'll be a homeland for your descendants.
1: <laughs> All right, Shabbat Tov. Welcome to a brand new episode of Open Book with Eitan and Itai. I'm Eitan.
2: I'm Itai, and we are glad to have
1: here a very special guest, Rabbi Moshe Silver, who recently published a, a parsha book that's very unique, because it's not just for the religious Jew, and not even just for the Jew, but it's for all people, in all times, and it's a big school to have him on the show. Rabbi, thank you for coming.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm very, I'm that. very pleased to be part of this.
1: So I've I've had the opportunity to hear, to hear the story from you once, but I think the viewers should have the opportunity. How did this book come into being? Uh,
0: my wife and I made Aliyah about two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. uh, May of two thousand eighteen, and um, I'm a partner in a in a financial research firm back in the U.S. Um, and about a month after we got here, one of my partners, a uh, man who's half my age, he's in his early thirties, very different from me, um, young black man who grew up in poverty in inner city uh, America. Uh, without a father with a very very troubled childhood um, right. because of all of the problems that come along with poverty and that type of uh, that type of an uh, upbringing um and he worked his way up uh graduated from Yale and joined us right out of school and became one of the most important uh, really? members of our firm and uh you know made makes make, made and continues to make a big contribution to our business
1: how uh, divide that whole community well. That's why yes. that him. Yes. God
0: willing really mm. um, and about a month after we got here, he just he went through a very a really terrible emotional psychological spiritual crisis right. um the kind of thing that in many cases would have certainly would have ended a person's uh, career um he's married, no, he's not, but uh you know because of the if you will the the ripple effect of his behavior during that period and just um uh but to to all of our credit you know my partners all said well you know he's he's one of us and we've got to do what we can to to you know get him through this and uh so you know he got himself into counseling got himself into therapy and was getting a lot of support from from our other partners Uh, and I was on the phone with him a bunch of times during that period and we'd speak, you know, once or twice a week. And he was the first time I spoke with him, he was just weeping uncontrollably over the phone about how like he's, you know, he's messed everything up. He's let everybody down. His life is over. Um, but within the next like week or so after the next couple of conversations, I saw that he was really working hard on himself. Right. He was really taking the whole process very seriously and taking his personal crisis as an opportunity for discovering himself and for growth, wow. and after about a you know five weeks or so, I was speaking with him one day, and I said, "Listen, I, I'm in Jerusalem. I can't come into Manhattan and have a cup of coffee with you. Is yeah. there anything else that I can do, so do this far away? What can I do to be useful while you're going through this process?" And he immediately said, "Look, you know, you know, I'm a very religious person. I read the Bible every day. He's a Christian, right. right?" He said, "I read the Bible every day, but." I don't have any any concept, any understanding of of how your people read the Bible. The old testament to me it's like it's a mystery. You know, we mm. read passages, but I don't I don't know what it means and I have no understanding of how the Jews how Jews read the Bible. Maybe you could give me some like biblical insights for personal growth. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, you know, dude, I'm a rabbi. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's what I do. So I immediately after that conversation, I sat down and I wrote him a long email, first of all, describing you know how we interact with the text how we read right. the parsha every week uh, and then every week i wrote him a note on the parsha right um but the note on the parsha obviously was not from the perspective of how many mitzvahs there are in the parsha and right. you know how many hours we wait between meat and dairy but rather yeah. what are the messages the universal messages for self-development for personal growth and also right. for being a contributing member of society because The Torah, uh, really kind of unlike, let's say, the other two Abrahamic books, you know, it's not primarily not a religious book. It's a book about uh, it's you could say it's a political book. It's a book about creating about how we're supposed to live in the world and about how we are supposed and what we can do to create and to maintain a just and functioning society. It's really the user's guide for the human soul.
1: Do you think that his Christianity is what kept him holding on? through that difficult time
0: he expresses having a very uh deep need for a connection with god yeah so i think his yeah i think that's a i i, I think that's a big contributing factor yes
1: do you think in in that sense pardon me for take, taking a serious turn but please an interesting question that i often ask myself is it better for a non-jew to be christian or not religious at all. So I, I have my answer. Well, what's answer? Hey, what, what's your answer?
2: Wait, what's <laughs> your answer? So we're not interviewing um, me. <laughs> um.
0: Well, I. That's an interesting question. From a.
1: Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's
0: because my understanding, you know, I have a little bit of a greater understanding of Christianity than I do of Islam. Right. But from and from my own understanding of. The three religions that are under discussion right now, I, I really think that there's a fundamental difference. You know, and there are a lot of jokes about it in the Orthodox world about like, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger atheist than you, but I can't talk about it now because I got to run to Minion. Right? <laughs> um, but the, because we focus so much on behavior and our book focuses on, you know, listen, right, the, you know, Jesus says to everybody, you do what I tell you. And then after you're after you leave this world, you know, you'll go to heaven. And Allah says to Muhammad, you know, you live the way that I want you to live. And after you leave this world, you go to heaven. And God says to Abraham, go take that piece of real estate and it'll be a homeland for your descendants. See, <laughs> a huge difference. You can't compare them. Right. Right. And so the Torah is a book that tells us how to live in this world. So it's a, Maybe a backdoor answer to your question, you know, is that's it better to be a Christian than to not be religious at all or better to be a Muslim than not, not to be religious at all? I think fundamentally, from my Jewish perspective, right. absolutely, because at least you have values. Right. And there's, yeah, you know, for sure. There's, you know, like sure. what Voltaire, for example, you know, the famous atheists who've said, you know, well, I don't believe in God, but in order for society to function, we should all be Christians. Right. right? Because and, you know, there's the argument I think that's a that,
1: proof of God. Well, yeah.
0: you know it's a it's it's better to have a structure than not, but I think one of the big problems with these structures is that human history shows us that people tend to believe the structures kind of like do the thinking for us mm-hmm. and so and then the structure becomes so rigidly so rigid that we impose it on others, and then it kind of mm-hmm. like the whole the whole project goes down the drain you know which i write about a lot in this book by the way the, Recent- you know the the risks of the the organized religion is a very it's a it's a very powerful phenomenon Right. and the good part of it if you will to be simplistic about it is again like voltaire you know you need a structure and that way society functions everybody knows what the rules are and the negative part of it is as like ruff cook says you know the individual need for spiritual realization. That's at the heart of organized religion. Right. But you should never make the mistake of believing that the purpose of organized religion is, is organized, for you personally yeah. to become spiritually realized, right? So, you know, it takes on its own power and then it can did it can sc- crush the individual.
1: But did you just uh, quote Voltaire and Ralph Cook in the same sentence? Pretty yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah. I wanted to. Trim-
0: I may be the only rabbi who's quoted Malcolm X and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and and Rabbi Nachman in, in the same in the
2: same drudge,
1: just, As know? an aside, I really appreciated that. I think one of the first quotes in the book was Rabbi Nachman.
2: I love Rabbi Nachman. So yeah. that was amazing. I, I want. I wanted to ask about please. your friend after he he read the things that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Did he say that? It's a different way to read the Bible than he read the New Testament, or he read the same direction, the same idea in the New Testament, and he never tried to read it to read it on the Old Testament.
0: More, it's more than that. More, yeah. Two things. First thing is, and that's a, and I think that's a very important question because it 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 helps to open up what this book does. Um, first of all, he said, you know, he's—I mean, he works on Wall Street. So outside of my firm, which actually is is almost all non-Jews, um, but there are a How'd lot of. Uh, <laughs> How that happen? I, you know, whatever okay. they they brought they brought me in at the beginning because they needed a rabbi. <laughs> you? you know, um, but you know, obviously he's he's interacted with all kind with Jews, you know, for many many years, right? right? He went to Yale. You know, he's yeah. worked, lives in New York City, works on Wall Street. He's had Jewish friends, Jewish business saying, yeah. associates, Jewish, Jewish girlfriends and so on, you know. And he said to me, all of the years that he's interacted with Jews, he's like, nobody's ever actually explained to him how it works.
1: Yeah, <laughs> nobody's usually ever not explained like to him like, <laughs> like, oh,
0: you know, this is our relationship to this book. Like, this is what the book means to us. And this is how it guides us through the year. Right. Then he said he's been reading the Bible for his whole life. He's been in all kinds of Bible study groups and, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, but nobody ever showed him that the Bible is a book about actual people. And this is something that we get in the Jewish world.
2: Right.
0: You don't need to be a non-Jew mm-hmm. to not relate to the Bible. Right. Right? right? You know, he said like for the first time, somebody opened the text to him that the characters on the page are human beings and they have challenges and they have problems and they have successes and failures and they have things that they struggle with and right. they, and they don't always get a resolution. And I you know, this is something also like in the in the work that I've been doing here, um, there's a small yeshiva that I've been involved with since we got here. Unfortunately the past year I've almost not right. been there at all. But you know, these are young men who also, a lot of them ask questions like, you know, how can I, how how can the rabbis tell me that Yaakov is a tzaddik when it says there on the page that he lied to his father, he lied to his brother, he stole from his brother. Rabbis said, you know, explain it, but, you do, know.
1: You, do you think, so do you think the Torah is for everybody, for Jews and for non-Jews? It
0: better be. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: One thing that kind of made me wonder, because you wrote this book for a Christian, but you talk a lot especially in the parshas parash- that deal with shabbat mm-hmm. You talk about shabbat you talk about mm-hmm. well, one of my favorite hidushim in the book was when you derived an insight from the discussions in the Talmud regarding transference of property so i thought it was excellent mm-hmm. but i'm i'm thinking how does how can a non jew take that and say okay like what what will they take out, out of you know a day of rest concept that they're forbidden from from doing Oh,
0: okay they're forbidden i mean this book was not written from the perspective of this is a halacha So, you know, they're, you know, halachically non-Jews are forbidden to keep Shabbos. Right. But it doesn't mean they don't get a day off.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And it doesn't mean that they... It's a moral... moral, I mean, we
0: make the argument that we brought into the world this concept of, you know, time cycles and that the human being needs a day off. Right. Right. So... you know, so part of no.
1: I don't like that because I don't like when people say that Jews brought X into the world. I, Jews didn't bring it. No, no. I'm, God, oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm say saying that, that this yeah. is
0: you know this is our party line, if you will. Right. right? Well, we invented the concept of the day off. Right. right. So okay. Um, so so God, God invented it,
1: not us. So I think that's
0: an interesting. I mean, I, I don't like
1: when people say Jews. Side, Jews gave the world the Torah. Jews side, didn't give the world. the Okay, Torah. but
0: sidebar, right? right. God rested on the first seventh day. Right. Right. But if you look at actually in the parasha, the mitzvah of Shabbat, who commands us to keep Shabbat? The very first Shabbat. So
1: I'm, I'm going to give a guess after that it's the Mon, Moshe. Yeah. After yeah.
0: the man falls, Moshe comes out and says, this is what God wants. Now you got to take the day off. God does not say, tell the people to keep Shabbos.
1: So in, in parasha to when when the Jews don't keep Shabbat, in that whole episode, Hashem is like basically saying, what is up with these people? He asked Moshe, what is up with these people? I, I I told them I'll take care of them on Shabbat. I'll right. take care of them on Shabbat. They don't have to go and pick them on on Shabbat. So it's obvious that it's, 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 from, it's from Hashem.
0: Well, okay. So I have a different approach to the text. Oh.
2: <laughs> That's oh. interesting.
0: And in order for the text to mean something to... Either to a non-Jew. Right. Or to a Jew who... You know, I mean... There's no shortage of Jews out there who... Who have problem problematic relationship to the text, and one of the one of the reasons that these relationships become difficult is because, as we said before, right, organized religion can become a structure that's that's rigid, and we're just like we're going to hit everybody over the head with it, right. and it's like you know the PSS hashna who says you know you can't teach a whole class you know classroom full of kids that they all have to speak the same, think the right. same, behave the same. Each person is different. And so when you take like the one-size-fits-all and you say, well, no, this is what the text means. So you say, oh, this is what the text means, but, but what if I have a question? It's not just in the Orthodox Jewish world that teachers are not capable of dealing with people who have questions. I
1: think, I think right. in the Orthodox Jewish world, they're a lot more, they tend to be a lot more capable than in, in other religions. People don't leave yeshiva because they don't believe in God anymore. They tend to leave because it's just too hard. You know, with Christians, you you get you get people coming out of a Christian high school atheists. Large percentage of people go out of a Christian high school atheists. Mm-hmm. They don't leave Orthodox Jew, Orthodox Jewish I... high school. They they don't leave they don't leave Orthodox Jewish high school or yeshiva saying you know what, this just seems not true to me. That doesn't happen because the rabbis do tend to have the answers. Maybe in mm-hmm. high school less, but in in yeshiva for adults mamash, If
0: you're an adult already, I mean, you you teach,
1: you teach at a yeshiva. So if you're
0: you're an adult already and you're in it, but there are, I'm just want to focus on one, on one aspect of this. There are, I encounter a lot of people, right? I encounter a lot of Jews, more religious, less religious, not religious, anti-religious, whatever, (laughs) who are put off by what they perceive as a dogmatic approach to the text. That's as, fair. As saying this is what it does mean, as opposed to like a very a very wise rabbi, Dan shevitz who <laughs> said to me, It's not about what it he said, you know, you read through the Gemara, it's not about what it does mean, it's about what it can mean. And if we don't allow it right to have new meaning for each person who reads it, then people are
1: gonna
2: say,
0: Well,
1: well that's, why? that's built into the so, into the religion because they, they say, panim so yeah, we say la torah.' Yeah, but you know something
0: that. yeah, well, You you have to get, you have to overcome a lot of dogma to be able to get to that level for a lot of people. Okay. So, in the very first chapter of the book, when I focus on what I focus on in Parshat B'Rashid, is God says, Nase Adam, let's make Adam, let's make a human being, right? And, you know, it's the famous question, well, wait a minute, who's God talking Mm -hmm. to? And Rashi, you know, brings the midrash that says, Well, God turns around to the heavenly host, to the angels, and says, What do you guys think? And they say, Oh, bad yeah. idea <laughs> Pfft, is, you know, terrible <laughs> idea you know because you're gonna make a human being and the human being's gonna sin and they're gonna not they're not gonna pay attention to you and they're not gonna follow you and god says thank you for your input but you know what i've already made up my mind because yeah you're right <laughs> but the human being's not gonna sin all the time right. sometimes they'll be good sometimes it won't be so good whatever and anyway we have already decided i'm doing it right so okay and there's actually you know i'm saying it kind of glibly but that's, you know, as, as with most Midrash, that's very profound. And we could spend hours just taking that For one sure. Midrash yeah. apart uh, on many levels, right? What I focused on was just, what does the text say? The text says, nase Adam. And to, a, to somebody who grows up in America reading world literature, to me, that's like, you know, these 18th, 19th century British novels where at some point the, the, you'll read on the page. Now, dear reader, come, let us consider. Right, right. You mentioned what it's, the text, the it's like what the text is saying is like, okay, Nase Adam, you the reader, and me the Torah, and me God, me the text. Let's work together and make a character that you can relate make, to. Make,
1: make a make also make you into a moral person, maybe. Uh,
0: but no, that's but not, the, okay, the, the religion no, but,
1: allows you room to interpret it that okay. way. I, the, I
0: think, I, I think so. Okay, I mean, uh, look, you just said that you're not being interviewed, right? I'm giving <laughs> you my, I'm giving you my perspective yeah. on how how I got, you know, right. how I bring. I would try to bring the text where it can speak to everybody. Right. right. And so I think the Torah, right, you know, as a literary work, the Torah right there is, is saying, or can be saying, it's a way of looking at it, is saying, you know, yeah, if you and I work together, you reader, your individual insight into what my words mean, that you are going to create together with my words, you are going to create an, a protagonist. That you can identify with. Because if you don't create a protagonist that you identify with, you're not going to mm-hmm. read the next page. And you're not going to get any of my messages.
1: Right? That makes Leviticus very hard for people, I guess.
0: The Well, Leviticus is and very... You did a very great
1: difficult. job at, very... at keeping Leviticus interesting. Right? It's very I'm,
0: difficult. I'm honored, thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm just. I'm it's, wondering, it's challenging, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throughout the book, something that just on a personal level that I found interesting, and, and a good insight that you pointed out a few times, especially in Bereshit and Shemot, there's kind of Cain and Abel dynamic that people had. You compared it. You compared Cain and Abel to Yaakov and Esau, mm-hmm. things like that. I felt like I felt like it was building up to a greater point, point. and I'm I'm not sure what that point is, and I, and I'd like to know. I'd be much like to know, and it, it's it's a to be able to ask the person who wrote it. So I'm just you you say in parentheses sometimes, you know, again mm-hmm. Cain and Abel. What what is that? Is that a is that a constant in the world that there's a Cain and Abel dynamic that goes on between me and someone else and Hashem? Well, what's happening there? I
0: think that the... I think Cain and Abel is one of the core stories of Tanakh.
1: Right, I had that feeling. Yeah.
0: And it's... And, you know, as with... It's like all of the stories in Bereshit, they're, they illustrate great themes. And they're themes that we need to remember because they carry through all the rest of Tanakh. And since they carry through all of Tanakh, they obviously... The Torah is telling us that these are themes that exist in the world in a very meaningful way. So is all of existence kind and heaven, Cain and Abel, and God? I think that's potentially a very useful way of looking at it. I mean, look at what's Can you going on. Give us an
1: example. Oh,
0: yeah. Where do we live?
1: Jerusalem? <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Or Al quds I mean, quote unquote, whose land is it? Right? right? Um, it's our land and it's their land. Right. And you know. You can't say that. Well, the truth is X or the truth is Y, because truth is a human construct, right? I
1: don't know about that.
0: For sure, because re, reality, reality, fact is one thing. Well, right? It's, this it's book a is a fact. It's a physical. It's a physically existing fact. It's a difficult
1: subject to but, get into, but I think to keep
2: well, it brief. You're
0: asking about kind and heaven. I'm trying to give you the right. answer from the kind of from my perspective. No, but to, to say that
1: to say that truth is a human construct, I, I think in Judaism Absolutely. we believe there's a truth that god is one okay things but, like that there there are certain but there, truths but,
0: but there are problems when we believe when we believe that everything that we've been told is the absolute truth and nobody else has the truth it's right. one thing to say god is one i'm okay with that
1: right so but can, i'm not, but I'm, not, I'm, not but... I'm not
0: okay with saying that god is one and therefore nobody else has the right to live you know next door to me i'm not all right with saying that so
1: what if they right? what if they, because what if the they way, don't choose to leave peace the way, the way human, no the
0: way human truth works yeah. is one example is just what's going on in this part of the world depends on like where you draw the brackets, like Mm -hmm. who, you know, there's the argument over who was here when, which I don't know if that even makes any sense, but you know, okay. Human beings cling to that. Right. (laughs) So, so, you know, their Arabs have been living here for the last, I don't know, 5,000 years. Okay. Um, And so they say, well, we've lived here for such a long time. The land belongs to us. And we say, well, you know, we lived here for a long time and then we were thrown out, but we always wanted to come back. So the land belongs to us. So we have a truth,
1: right.
0: and they have a truth.
1: Well, we, we've we've there, has a, a truth. All, there's also always been a Jewish presence. So, in you Israel know what? But, all, but all no, no. But
0: see, that's exactly the so problem. If, if you give the no, Jews' no,
1: argument, you have to no, give the best. No, argument No, no, that the no, Jews no, give. no.
0: But that's but that's the problem. I don't care about the argument.
1: Right,
0: right. I care about how do we live together. All okay. right. I don't care about. I don't right. care about because if we start focusing on who's right, then we're just going to kill each other, which is all that we've been doing. <laughs> okay. And the kind and evil dynamic is absolutely at work right. here. Right. That one person, Kain is like... By the way, Kain, he's the hero, right? He's the hes the spiritual genius. He's the one who says, oh, you know what? I should but thank it's, God. It's like, I have to same. give God a gift, right? And Hevel comes along and says, oh, cool. I want to do that too, <laughs> right? By the way, Hevel's name, Hevel, breath, he's nothing. Hevel, Hevelim, Hevelim, hevel,
1: well, right? He's nothing. Our religion believes that right? being Ein, Ein, is the holiest thing you can be. It's the closest you can be to God. So maybe there's an aspect of that. Maybe he's... The fact that he's Hevel... hevel you know, is, yeah,
0: I mean, I know, I know this. Uh, I mean, that, that's just the take uh, I take when I hear. Zohar saying. says that, uh, that Moshe is a Gilgul of Hebel.
1: Okay, fine. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far from non-Jews, and how has that been different? You mentioned Jewish responses, but how has it been different from Jewish responses? I, I read some reviews also, so interesting to see
0: reviews. Okay.
1: Interesting to see um, the vocal reviews you've gotten, the verbal reviews.
0: You mean like um like on amazon so that
1: that that's written reviews but i'm I'm interesting to hear what people have told you
0: i mean i have not had that much feedback from that many non-jews um, really you know not yet uh, not yet it's <laughs> a we that's, that's we're working on it um right. like actually another one of my business partners who is who is a um no longer devout but very um serious catholic right he was raised catholic and went to jesuit schools like he's like deep in it you know He's been reading it, and he said, it's a real eye opener, he said that it's again it's a non dogmatic approach to the text and and it's something that he coming from a his brand of orthodoxy right. you know uh where he again was told this is what it does mm-hmm. mean, and you have to toe the line, you have to behave in a certain way, you have to think in a certain way, you have to believe in a certain mm-hmm. way, and that's something that you know not everybody you know not everybody can make peace with that not everybody can can kind of grow up through that and come to a point as you said earlier of like you know an adult sitting in Kolel right. and actually engaging both intellectually and spiritually right. on on multiple levels at the same time and so you know a number so the small number of non-jews that I've that I've really interacted with who have right. been reading this have all told me that it's a real it's an an important book and a real eye opener for them.
1: Amazing. I, I so wonder. I wonder. Berche, so. I wonder if you gave them the concept that the Torah mm-hmm. is living and we're supposed to apply it to our lives every day. I wonder. I wonder if they had that concept before. Right. So either way, we're gonna we're gonna take a break now. First, I want to tell you guys about Pomerantz Bookseller. Michael Pomerantz has been selling books in Jerusalem for thirty years now, and during that time, he's learned that the most important thing is his customers. That is why, if you come into Pomerantz, and you want a book, they're going to help you find that book. Even if they don't have it, they'll do their very best to get it in for you. And they have all kinds of books, children's books, religious books, cookbooks, and the selection's growing every day. It's wonderful. You can even WhatsApp them. They'll deliver the book to you. They'll put it on side for you, whatever. It's great service. Come on down to Pomerantz or give them a call at 5559 You can also WhatsApp them. That's 02-623-5559. Thank you guys. We'll be back in a moment. Great. So we're back. We're going to transition off into more of a discussion about the Torah and its relationship with non-Jews. But just before, one of the things that really blew me away away when I was reading uh, Rabbi Moshe Silver's book was he gave him a shah regarding the Talmudic discussion of domains and passing someone something through the door. And he turned it into a lesson for an ethical lesson, which was just stunning and an incredible, incredible insight and I was hoping, Rabbi, that you could have, give us the honor of sharing that insight with well, us.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm glad the message worked for you. Um <laughs> right. to me, it's yeah, I think is also as a broader understanding of how I came to write the book and, and how right. I approached writing the book, is that my, you know, my training is in literature. I'm I'm a writer, I'm a reader of literature, and so I approached the Torah as as an as an observant Jew, yes, but also as a work of literature. Just in and of itself, how does it speak to us? Which is, again, as I said, you know, come, dear reader, let us create a protagonist together. And similarly, there's a lot of rabbinic literature that if you read it as a narrative, if you will, there are deep messages that go beyond just the ABCs of the halachic process. And to me, it was always very striking that the whole the, the Mesechet Shabbat begins with the Indoor, outdoor, right? There's somebody standing outside the door, and there's somebody standing inside the door, and they go through this whole ballet of one person reaches in, the other person reaches out, he takes it from his hand, he puts it in his hand, he puts it down, he picks it up, right? And it's the oni and the balabite. It's sure. the poor person and the owner of the home.
1: Right.
0: Right. So why does the Mishnah why did the rabbis choose those two people?
2: Right.
0: Right. And it's on Shabbat, and the Oni, the poor person comes with a basket. And is reaching in and the the homeowner, indoors, wants to give tzedakah, wants to give charity to this poor person. And it's Shabbat, you know, so obviously I can't let the person go hungry on Shabbat, right? Yeah. So there's this whole, there's this whole right, back and this forth before. about listen, how, am I, good. how am I going to give charity to this person without violating Shabbos? I, if I reach out and hand it to him, then, you know, if he reaches in and takes it from me, and each one of these is somehow yes, or other prohibited, right? right? So to me... The fact that the rabbis chose a poor person and a homeowner, there's a deep moral lesson, which is that on Shabbat, the only way to accomplish what a Jew needs to do on Shabbat and what is the Ikar, the, the core fundamental meaning of what Shabbat is all about. Shabbat's all about the world doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God.
1: Everything right? returns to Hashem's so ownership. So my house, Shabbat,
0: this yeah. house that I live in, I'm not the Baal Habayit. I'm not the, the owner of the house. God is the owner of the house, right? right. So what is, what's the Mishnah telling me? Come spend Shabbat with me. Right?
1: That's only Tzedakah you're allowed to do on Shabbat. That's very I found amazing uh, to derive yeah. that from from that is just really cool, really cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So wow. we, we Thank appreciate that. And I think that the I think that in the minutia of religious observance, it's very easy to forget the fundamental moral lessons that the Torah teaches us. Yeah. Right? And you know, we hear—I mean, throughout throughout the Nabim, throughout the the, right. the prophetic books, the the prophets are always saying, God doesn't want you sacrifices. to bring sacrifices yeah. and to wear your fancy yeah. clothes, and God doesn't want the incense. God wants you to be just, to be righteous to each other, treat each other well, take care of poor people. Right? That's what it's all about.
1: All that right? stuff is right. is for is for for uh, you mentioned it in the book. All of that is for us to have a routine because right. we develop love. We develop love for something through this, illu- I guess, this illusion that we're giving back to God. One thing, right. one thing I mentioned that time in, in the past on the show is that people don't become religious Jews because of they like how you take three steps back or three steps forward oh, or in the mitzvah. Yeah. You wash your hands like this. They do it because the values. The mm-hmm. values is what draws them in. Right. And so they see a the closeness percent.
0: in the community. They say, wow, well, also that, you guys right. get along together. <laughs>
1: people go- get divorced no, no, less. No, uh, two no. parent homes. It's I've all seen
0: of, I've seen a number of of men in particular who say, you know when I when I was saying Kaddish, mm-hmm. right? And I saw the camaraderie in the Minyan, and like, wow. at any given moment, any one of the guys can get up and lead the Minyan, and everybody, and they all know right. what they're doing, and they all follow along. It's, a, community. It's, like a, yeah. it's like you're a member of the club, right? and, yeah. and it's important uh, for depression, for pulled. all kinds of yeah. things,
1: yeah. When you, when, uh, just, at a, at a time in life when I wasn't doing well, the fact that I was able to go to Minyan every day and see people yeah. who were like me, kept me going. Everyone needs that, even, yeah. even if it's not synagogue, you know? What?
0: Yes, we so all need what, a community.
1: What do you hope will be accomplished by writing this book? That's what I really want to know.
0: Wow. Bezhad Hashem, God willing, I hope that 14 million copies of this book will be will will find their way into people's hands around the world. Right. And by the way, um, Halavai should make profits off of this. All profits from the sales are going to go to charity. Um, wow. Baruch Hashem, I have... You know, I have a Parnassa, I have an income, so it's, it's not about that. And obviously, one doesn't write a book about you know Torah commentary with the idea that Hollywood's going to call it <laughs> and we're gonna become become rich off it. But I I I think that my message is that because of all of our different dogmas, whether it's you know how we're supposed to dress in order to be properly religiously observant, or who we're allowed to talk to and not allowed to talk to. Uh, you know, the, the way that we're, all the ways that we're supposed to behave. And, you know, it's like one of my favorite little Hasidic stories about the Hasid and the Misnagid who are talking and the Hasid says the Misnagid, you know the difference between you and me is you think about God all day and I think about myself. <laughs> and the Misnagid says, what are you talking about? And the Hasid says, you know, you wake up in the morning and say, oh, God wants me to wash Nagelvasr, God, right. God wants me to say Modiani, God wants me to put on tefillin, God, right. uh, God wants me to learn, uh, God right. wants me to learn the Dafyomi, God know. wants and, and the, the Misnaggi says, "Yeah, no," and and the Chassid says, in "Me, you know, I wake up in the morning and I say, okay, God, I know, I'll see it because I'm a Jew. I have to say Mordechai, and I have to do and I have to put on tzil, and I have to go to But what do you need from me, What do you expect from me? What's my personal tafkid? My personal goal? My person, My purpose in this world? Right. And I think the message of the book is that that there that a core message of the Torah is. Each of us has a unique purpose. Uh, and one of the things that I say is that, you know, the real mystery of existence is not why is there something instead of nothing? So what the real do we, mystery what do we do is now that we're here? The, no, yeah. the real mystery is why is there more than one thing? And huh. there's more than one person. It's obvious that we're meant to interact with each other. Right. right and to me what's obvious is you have skills I don't have you have skills I don't have you have needs that I can fulfill you right. have needs that I have needs you can fulfill we can right. help each other so we're obviously here to reach out to one another we're here to help one another we're here to create I mean we we come together in societies that's human nature you can say it's because God created us this way you can say because we evolved this way doesn't matter but the Torah has has an answer that says the Torah has a deep message that says each one of us has a unique contribution right. to make that nobody else in all of cosmic history can do what you can do, what you can do, what I can do, and that we owe it to ourselves and to the world to bring that into the world, to make the world a better place, to relieve suffering and to help to, to help to create a, a better world. Amazing.
1: Could, could that be interpreted as a possible critique of the insularity of the religious Jewish community?
0: I mean it's that was not my that was not my uh, agenda if right. you like it's a it's an observe it's an observation
1: that there
0: are not you don't have to be a religious Jew to be insul- insular right <laughs> Right. Um, so it's a... It's but we're, a, we're
1: it's, professionals, I'd say. I'm sorry? We're, we're professionals at it.
0: Well, we have... Because we, we have a very, very big checklist. So but it, it, it keeps us really busy.
1: That's a, such a good point. But right? it, it does avoid us... Avoid giving... It, it keeps us from having the opportunity to do some of the Kiddush, Kiddush Hashem that, for example, you got to do with this young man, save his life. That's a positive thing because we're only as strong as the weakest link. The whole human race. You know, right? But so you did a chesed, yeah. you know, that, and that's well, a thank you. But, but we have to do that in many ways.
0: But, but it's not a critique of right of Judaism, of Orthodoxy, or of Orthodox Jews to say that most people don't think that way. Most people, I'll get by. I'm okay. I'll take care of myself. You know what? Leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. That's fine, right? Not just and, not not just Jews, and right. And morality that's is yeah. not about not hurting somebody else. That's like that's you know fundamental. It's like. You know, animals do that, right? You see, you see, like in the wild, like an elephant coming to a waterhole, and there's a bird there, and the bird goes, and the elephant backs away,
1: right?
0: Because <laughs> the elephant says, "Okay, that's your spot. I'll walk around." Really, right? So that's like fundamental to all living beings to like not want to engage. Okay, fine. You, you don't want me to. Everyone needs on their your space, I especially now your. the fine, virus, right? So if we if that's all we do and we call that morality, we're no better than the animal. Right. right and i like to think that god wants us to be better than the animals <laughs> i like to think you know what yeah. do i know so yes we need to we need to actively reach out to each other and that's that's the fundamental message of this book is that it's personal responsibility to to actively whatever we can do each one of us has a unique gift it could be some people are have you know gifts that will touch more people some people, you know, like the like the say, you know, who knows but like this one mitzvah that a one person did in their whole long life and that's why they came, that's why right. that soul came into this world. And like so maybe, you know, maybe my purpose in life is that this one human being needed my help and I was, you know, God put me in the amazing. right place at the right time and I did it. And so maybe nobody else will read it. Maybe I won't sell fourteen million copies. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. You know, that's but how we I, feel about the show. But also. I changed one person's Same life. Like, right. Wow, amazing. Yeah.
1: Right. Do you, so we have a tradition that a baby in the womb is taught the entire Torah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then they're tapped. They right. forget it all. But it, there's echoes of it. Mm-hmm. So Jews and non-Jews. It's an interesting thing because we all have this thing right there. Right. So what do you think about that? You can take a moment to think about it also. if you have.
0: Well, no, because interesting because I was just having really? a conversation sort of along these lines with a one of the local Chabad rabbis um, right before Shabbat. Wow. Because part of the question was, and we were, you know, we were engaged talking about this book, actually, and he wasn't challenging me on it, but, you know, the issue came up of, like, sometimes I, like, give, like, a sheer on this, and people say, well, you know, you taught Torah to a non-Jew, and so my answer is, you know, okay, so don't invite me to your birthday party, I don't know what to tell you, it's like, you know, this book is for all humanity, God created everybody, and nowadays, you know, how do we define where a Jewish soul comes from doesn't come from you know there's like people are saying well they did the dna tests and there are all these there's these whole big extended palestinian clans that turn out to have been you know they were jewish right. a thousand years ago and they and there's and there's all these jews who it turns out right. that they weren't jewish a thousand years ago and it's like you know so and i think we're in the time in cosmic history right where the message has to get out and you know, I'm not telling well, I'm worried? not telling a Jew how to toil his dishes. You know, uh, a non-Jew how to toil his dishes. I'm telling him, you know, there's a fundamental moral, ethical, and and you know, societal lesson in this book. Right, and it's for everybody. And are if it's not for everybody, that, it's not for anybody.
1: Are you worried that? Well, I think the rabbi's concern with cautioning us to not to not learn with non-Jew. Well, I've I've heard that we can only learn kohelet with non-Jews. I actually learned kohelet with an atheist, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, he you was may have, atheist you may at have, the time
0: you may have also learned Gemara with atheists just not knowing they were atheists <laughs> they were, because they were orthodox Jews
1: right that's a good point um, is there a concern I don't think with this book but in, in general with passing on Torah to non-Jews that they're particularly people of other religions that they're going to use the Torah as a way to find fallacies in the Torah to prove to prove the existence of their God issues like that
0: personally I don't care
1: right
0: i I would say the opposite, I would say that there is enough ignorance among Jews about Judaism right there's enough ignorance among even among observant Jews about and i don't I don't hold myself out as like the world's greatest authority on on the Torah or on text or whatever, but I try to study, and i you know i I like to think that one one of my strengths as a student and as a teacher is that I my point of departure is my own ignorance that I'm aware that I don't know everything I don't have right. all the answers right but just to fundamentally teach people about you know when I wrote to my to my friend here right. the first the first note that I wrote him I I described to him how we interact with the text and and how it becomes a focus for our lives and he said you know I never understood that about Judaism and about Jews he said now I understand how this is the core of your personal and your com- communal identity and all of a sudden the text became that much more meaningful to him. And he understood that it's something that we actually live by, not just something that we read and something that we like try to memorize and and have nice lines to say once in a while. Right. right? So I think anything that we can do to increase people's understanding of, of how we live our lives. I I think it's, you know, I think it's important, but there's enough, there's enough misunderstanding and hatred in the world and, you know, all of you know quite often you'll hear different religious leaders saying well you know we really all worship the same god and i don't know what that means either
1: right <laughs> you know
0: yeah. um but i think that it's never jews
1: that say that i um uh, i don't know uh, <laughs> you know
0: I, I i don't know what it means but i think that you know i think that we don't lose anything by showing other people how we live our lives
1: right i like that how, how do you think the torah can help people in wall street in the business world?
0: Well, considering that I've worked on Wall Street for... That's
1: why I asked. Right?
0: <laughs> 40 years now? Give wow. I think the a lot of... And I'm talking from my own milieu, from the people that I've worked with, that a lot of people focus on... It's like the psychotherapists say, you know, the person has to want to change. It's like <laughs> Wall Street is about, um, is about money. And there's a lot of ego involved. And... First of all, this, about ourselves, there's very little awareness that we're going to die one day and that therefore our life, you know, when, when we come to that moment, what's the meaning of our life going to be? And for a lot of people, the meaning of their life is going to be how much money they made and how much money they spent and what kind of cars they owned and how many women they had affairs with and ich weiß, you name it. Right. Nice. So it's a very kind of a ego and appetite driven way of life. And I don't pretend to be able to change that. Um, I'm blessed to work with people who already had a, a, a unusual, in my experience on Wall Street who had a very strong uh, moral inclination, if in you will, a more po- moral position and wanted to create a moral business right. in the heart of what we do in this industry. And so for 13 years, I've been part of this firm and from the beginning, and it's an incredible bracha. But you know, at a certain when people get shook up, they need somebody to step in and say, okay, you know, you now all of a sudden, and it shouldn't be that, like, it shouldn't be that the only time that you come to seek meaning in life is, God forbid, when you have a tragedy.
1: Yeah. You
0: know? um, yeah. People do not look to the Torah when they lose money. But, you know, God forbid when there's, like, all of a sudden a family tragedy, there's, you know, then they say, oh, now I need comfort, right? So it's very, very hard because people are trained away from that because money is, you know, we really worship the golden calf. This is the this week's parsha. That's what we do in in the industry, right. um, mm-hmm. and um, and I think you know not to pat myself on the back too hard, but the fact that you know it's like one of the lessons I learned. Like like, they say that Yosef why was Yosef so successful? And they say, well, we see that God is with him. And and Rashi says it's because he was always saying God this, God that, God this, God that, right? right? And so you know, in my professional career, I wear I wear a yarmulke in the workplace, you know, and right. And I say things like, you know, thank God, God willing. Thank God, God willing. Right? <laughs> and, and the people I work with, certainly in my firm, the people I work with, it's, it's really had an impact on them. It's amazing. Wow. You know, that they say, well, that, because but, because I interact with them all the time. And then, then they say, well, <laughs> and then like when people call us up and say, well, I don't like the way you're running your business. I say, well, wait a minute, I'll, get, I'll have the rabbi call you back. <laughs> I'll, get, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll
0: get the rabbi on the
1: mold. You mention in the book uh, <laughs> gratitude and forgiveness, I think.
0: I, I think two those, I think they're very important.
1: Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, yes, because forgiveness is what's I, I shared that with
1: my wife by the way cause, you know. There's a there's I can't remember
0: his name. It's a great one of the great me. contemporary teachers of meditation. And he said that uh, forgiveness is about coming to terms, coming to peace with the fact uh, that you'll never have a better past. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> I, a, it's I shared a,
1: that with a, my very very wife. My mom shared very it with her. Insight. So
0: and gratitude, do. yeah,' I can't
1: do the dishes on Thursday anymore, it's gone <laughs> <laughs>
0: but and also gratitude, I mean that's and those are fundamental they're so lacking in in contemporary society, where everybody's set against everybody else, yeah, where everybody is I have to be right, and you have to be wrong, right It's not enough that well, and what really what human beings really want is they want to be heard and they want to be respected for who they are, right. that's what human beings need, they need that you know. Acceptance of okay, you are who you are, and I accept you for who you are. Tell me your story, because we're stories, and that's yeah. also that's that's also Torah. how the Torah speaks to us, right? Yeah. It tells us a story, and we say, "Ah, now I can I can relate to this story, and I can learn something from this story."
1: So I think Rabbi sack says something along those lines. Itai, if, if you remember in the past we talked about it, it's important to know that people that are not like you are people like, like you. It. So let's segue into a short discussion before wrapping up. uh There's a phenomenon I think that we notice in the world where very often religious Christians tend to know the scripture better than us. Have you noticed this?
0: There's a, um, I'm aware of, I I don't know percentages, but I'm aware of a whole, like call I would guess like a a school, if you will, of Christian evangelical Christianity, where they memorize big passages of the Bible, both old and new Testament. And they can quote chapter and verse. Right. right, and the evangelical means they go to the text. Right. That's the word, what the word evangelical means. It means text based. Like they're not doing commentary and parshanut and halacha in the, you know in their religion. They're going right to the text, and so the text speaks to them very, very immediately.
1: So just, just to open the discussion to all, all three of us. The text is for everybody, but it was given to us. What can we do to in the Jewish world that we should know the text better? Besides, you know, just to give it, learn the text. That's not. A, what can we do on a fundamental societal level, to create that change?
2: I, I think the entire thing, uh, Rabbi Moshe said, it's not to learn more because there are people that learn a lot, and they don't understand the text, what the text wants to t- to tell us. Right. We need to focus on how to learn, not how many, how much to learn, to how to read it to understand what the text wants to tell us as readers.
0: So maybe. And I think that this is I think one of the one of the natural audiences for my book is Jews who don't want to have anything to do with traditional call it orthodox Judaism because they perceive it as being too right. dogmatic, and so maybe maybe the community that we can bring on board if you will, to reading the text and really getting into the text is the community of people that I meet a lot of Jews who, on the one hand, they say, oh, I don't have anything to do with that. And at right. the same time, they say, oh, like, I wish it. I wish that I could want to have something to do with that. And I right. wish it meant something to me. My right? souls, our I souls no, want to. It no longer means anything to me. Or I can't believe in a God who X, right? And so when somebody says something like, you know, I can't believe in a God who would allow the Holocaust to happen or who would allow my grand, my Buffy to die or right. whatever it is, you know, what they're really saying <laughs> to you is, please, you know. Prove it convince me you know bring me you know first of all what they're saying because what they expect you to say when they say well i can't believe in a god who would allow the holocaust to happen what they expect you to say is well you know then you're no good i don't have anything to do with you right so first thing is the surprise oh you know can i give you a hug because guess what (laughs) i have a problem i have a really hard time believing that god too you know it's Mm -hmm. to me it's a constant struggle Right. right. Wait a minute. I thought you knew all. I thought you had all the answers. No, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I have this funny undershirt with strings on it, and I have a hat on my head, yeah. and, I, and I don't eat meat and dairy yeah. together for 25 hours every week. I sit in that, you know, and I I don't turn the lights off and on. But you think that you think those are answers,
1: <laughs> rabbi, What I what I hear a lot is people say, "I can't be part of a, I can't believe in God when the when rabbis do X. When right. a rabbi was on the news doing Z, yeah. and I just hear that and I think that's a human, you know. Humans did the Holocaust. I for me, the answer is so clear. Humans did the Holocaust. Hashem, just, you know,
0: right. Let and, us
1: make our decisions. Well,
0: you know, and I think that that's. I agree with that, and we can say that here, right. But that's an answer that, that it's inadequate for them. It doesn't work for somebody who's who comes to. If somebody says to you, "I can't believe in in God,"
1: right,
0: I think it's an invitation to engage with them. And I think that if we tell them what they've heard before, even if it's uh-huh. like you're saying, sure. well, it wasn't God, it was humans, they're going to say, uh huh. So sure, it, I heard that before. Etai's right.
1: developing experience with that a lot lately because he just started in the army. Yeah. So now he's having a lot of interactions with non religious Jews and mm. they're coming and asking him questions. So I don't know.
2: Most of the people, they don't care about people that speak with me. They don't care about halacha, as Rabbi Moshe said. And they don't care if there is God or not. They they want to listen how how it can make you better how does it help to build a better house how does it help to be a better person and they don't care if there is god there isn't god they care what can they learn from it and uh, that's amazing because when you speak in the language they want to hear they are really interested and Mm -hmm. they will stay and listen and ask and yeah, so you need to, to know how to speak the language. That's beautiful that you are able to do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we, we're at our time, incredibly, mm-hmm. by very fast. Uh, just want our listeners to know that if they would like to, and they should, buy The Weight of Gold by Rabbi Moshe Silver, they can give a call to zero two six two three five 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 nine. 5559 Call Pomerat's Bookseller. We have the book waiting for our customers, and we're so excited for everyone to have a chance to read it. That's zero two six two three five 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 nine thank you guys for listening thank you itai and big thank you to rabbi Emotion. thank you very much thank you,
0: thank you. it's been All great right. being here